to you so you can track along with us, follow along. Philippians 4. Raise your hand real high if you need a Bible. more. And if you do not own a Bible, please feel free to keep that. Bible is a gift to you from the Lord this morning. We want everybody to have God's Word. Everybody there? Philippians 4? Getting there? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this special morning that you blessed us with. Thank you for gathering us, Lord. What a blessing to be your children, to be able to come before you, to sing songs to you, to celebrate you, Jesus, to honor you. You are worthy and deserving of all of our thanks, our praise, our adoration. May you continue to be magnified as we continue to worship you. Lord, we pray that you would minister to us in a special way. Meet with us as we open your word. We thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts. And and God, by the power of your spirit, would you change us and transform us Thank you for that special work that you've begun in each one of us that you're going to see through to completion. And so would you do a fresh work of your spirit in our lives in this place this morning for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. All right, so just by way of reminder as we're getting to the tail end of this letter, this is a church that Paul is writing to, the church of Philippi, and it is a church he's very familiar with. Remember, he had planted this church uh, during his missionary journey to that area of northern Greece, and he had been there for a while, pastored. And this was a church, after Paul had left, this was a church that really got behind Paul's ministry. They supported him in ministry, helped him out, especially when no one else was helping him. This church, and they were not a very wealthy church, they were a, a church that was on the poor side, but they did what they could to help further God's kingdom through Paul's ministry. And Paul is grateful for that. As we've, as we've read through this letter together, as we've studied this letter, by and large, it is a thank you letter. Paul's thanking them for their love, for their support, for the fellowship and the connection that they have together. But not only is it a, a thank you letter, it is a letter with some warning too. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we began chapter three, the apostle Paul warned us He warned us specifically about those people that would come and say, hey, it's great you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, but there's more you need to do now. You need to do this and do that and add this and add that, and you need to keep this rule and that regulation. And and Paul said they're dogs. They're evil workers. Beware of those people. Don't let anyone take you from the simplicity of a love relationship with Jesus Christ, allowing him to lead your life and him to speak to you and him to fix you from the inside out in your life. That's a glorious miracle, isn't it, by the way? The Lord changing us from the inner core of our being. And so not only is it a thank you letter and a warning, kind of a warning also that he gave us, but he also is encouraging us to maintain unity in the body of Christ that we would maintain oneness. In fact, throughout this letter, we've seen that theme woven in, that we are to be of one mind, one spirit. We're to be on the same page, so to speak, as we follow Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so we pick up this morning. Let's read the verses we'll look at in chapter 4, verse 1. Here's what God's Word says. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. 
I'm going to stop right there. We're not just going to get through one verse this morning. <laughs> We're going to get some more verses in. But it's important to stop. Every, anytime we see therefore, we have to stop and ask ourselves, what is the word therefore? Therefore. And so it ties in the previous thoughts that Paul was communicating, and he reminded us that our citizenship is where? In heaven. He reminded the church that's our citizenship. We are citizens of heaven, that we have been born of the Spirit. We are children of God. A glorious miracle, by the way. You don't sign up and join the church. You don't perform some ritual. It's a work of God's spirit, right? He makes us a family. We're headed to heaven. Either we're headed to heaven. Here's the cool news this morning. Either we're headed to heaven, we know because we're trusting in Jesus Christ that our last breath here will be our first breath in his presence. That's good news, isn't it? Like we don't have to guess or wonder if that's going to happen or not. He who has the son has life, right? So whether it's our last breath and we take our last breath here, or Paul reminded us, Jesus is coming for us. He's coming. Jesus is coming for his bride. That is us this morning. It's called the rapture. And what's going to happen when he comes? We're going to be caught up in the air. We're going to experience a transformation of our, Paul said, our lowly bodies, our vile, these carcasses are going to get a radical transformation. Anybody excited for that? Yeah, new bod. Sound sound good to anybody here? Wait a few years. If not, wait a few years, right? Give it some time. But God has prepared for us new bodies fitted for all eternity, fashioned like Jesus' body, right? His resurrection body. And so, so beautiful. Paul reminded us of that and that Jesus is able to subdue all things. Whatever you need in your life to be subdued, the Lord is able And you give them that area of your life, that struggle, whatever it might be, you keep giving it to Jesus. Therefore, in light of that, he says, my beloved, I love you. Paul's like, I love you. You're my beloved and long for, I miss you. I desire to be with you. I don't know about you. That's how I feel about you guys. When I have to leave here, sometimes I watch you guys with your kids and they're crying when they have to leave. They don't want to leave church. That's how I feel every time. (laughs) I don't want to leave. I'm, I don't know, I'm a fellowship junkie, maybe, <laughs> to be with you guys. That's what Paul's saying. I long for you. I miss you. I can't wait to be with you again. And then he calls him, my joy, you make me happy. Man, you bring so much joy into my life. And he also says, my, what else does he say? My what? My crown. You guys see that in there? You're my joy. You're my crown. And it's not the diadem crown. It's the Stefano's crown. It's the, it's the wreath that an Olympic athlete would, athlete would get when they won an Olympic game. And it was special to that person that won their event, whatever it was, in the Olympics. And anybody here go to Disneyland ever? Or Disney World? No? For those of you who have or do, do you wear like the ears and the, the outfit, the whole, all the stuff, Right? I'm saying that because my girls do that. I'm like, I'm not wearing no hats, no nothing. I'll go to the street. What's the, the Disney street? You know, but they wear those things because they love that. It's, 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 it's something that's special to them. They're connected when, when they're there. Paul's saying, we're connected. You're my crown. I'm so, I, I wish I could wear you everywhere, <laughs> everywhere I go, that people would take notice of how special you are to me. And then what's the instruction he gives? What does he say? So stand fast in the Lord. What does stand fast mean? Dug in, immovable. It means don't bail out. Don't take off. Hang in there. Don't throw in the towel. Persevere is the idea. Stay put, be solid in the Lord. Why does Paul have to say that? Think about why he has to, is he, is he just kind of thinking as he's writing in prison, I need to just say something cool here? Is that what he's doing? Because it's a temptation for any of us, isn't it? Yes. To throw in the towel, to quit. Things get hard, they get difficult, right? Jesus said if we've chosen the narrow way that leads to eternal life, it's going to be difficult, man. It's going to be hard. We live in a fallen world with fallen people, right? And we're still in the flesh. We haven't got our new bodies yet. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. But listen, life is hard. Is life hard? Yes. It's difficult, but we don't go it alone. We have the Lord. And Paul is encouraging them to continually be immovable, continually, and it's in the Lord. The Lord will give you what you need. 
Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe the Lord is able? He's able to, he upholds all things by the word of of his power. He's able to uphold your life, your marriage, my marriage, my life. It's Jesus who is the one who is able to do that. And he says, beloved, you dearly loved one, stand fast. I love you. Listen, standing fast in Jesus is the only safe and secure place to stand this morning. Don't be moved. Don't be moved. Going the Lord's way, doing, doing things the Lord's way. Don't be moved from that. Following Jesus, doing, doing things according to the book, what he says. In his, does his word work, by the way? Yes. It does, doesn't it? The word of God works. And so Paul goes on to say, look at verse 2. He says, I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. And I love this. The Lord is at hand. If the Lord's at hand, what does that mean? He's near. He's coming, right? So Paul, again, reminds the church the Lord is coming. And so Paul is now dealing with, we've kind of, again, we've kind of seen this theme of being of one mind, of, of one heart, of one spirit, to be connected together, this oneness in our fellowship with one another. And now he kind of brings to light what's going on in the church. There's a relational conflict between these two women. These are two feminine names, two gals in the church. And you guys ever have relational conflict? You guys ever have arguments with people in the church you guys ever have a little issue with? How much time is wasted over relational conflict, by the way? Too much, thank you. Too much time is wasted. And, and, and the division that it causes within the body of Christ, does God want the body of Christ divided? No way. We, listen, we live it right now. Our nation is divided. You look at the church, by and large, the church is divided. It's sad. It's so sad. And sadly, the people that have wounded me the most and deepest are people that love Jesus. I don't know if you've had the same experience, but we don't, th- we don't throw in the towel. What do we do? We stand fast, right? We press in, we persevere, and that's what Paul is encouraging these two ladies to do, to be of the same mind. And what happens when there's conflict, when there's relational conflict? Remember the theme of this letter? What's the theme of this letter again? It's joy. Doesn't relational conflict sap and suck the joy right out of things, right out of your life? Right out of the church, when there's conflict, when there's a butting of heads going on, it just saps you of joy. And not only that, it threatens the stability of the church. Because what can happen is that you got two people that are, that are butting heads, and all of a sudden now the church is forced to choose sides. You know what I'm saying? It's like the Hatfields and the McCoys. It's like, like a civil war that can often happen. And, and people get so dug in They're so dug in, they could care less. They could care less about dividing the body. They could care less about the witness of Jesus Christ to the community as well. And Jesus called us to be witnesses, didn't he? Isn't that part of our calling? Acts 1, 8, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Jesus said, you shall be witnesses to me where? Everywhere you go. We are his witnesses. And conflict like this does damage to the witness of Jesus Christ. And so we see here, Paul says in verse 2, I implore, and that word implore, same root word for the Holy Spirit, to come alongside, to come alongside and to call, to urge, to help is the idea. I'm coming alongside, what's the gal's, the first gal's name? Euodia. If you're looking for good girl names, baby names, (laughs) right here. It, 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 means, it means fragrant. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Oh, because they smell good, right? Oh, we need to call her Euodia. <laughs> I, and then Paul says, I, I'm coming alongside. 
I'm coming alongside you, you also, Sintaiki. That means fortunate. That's what her name means. So I'm coming alongside you, fragrant and fortunate. But can you imagine you're sitting in church? Oh, the Apostle Paul sent us a letter? Oh, yes. I can't wait to hear it. And he's rolling through. And there was no chapter and verse breaks, correct? It was just because it was a letter, right? Do you write letters with chapter and verse breaks? No. It was a letter that was sent, and they got the scroll out, and the pastor's probably reading the letter, and he's rolling through, and all of a sudden, you hear your name. Yeah, you Odie, that's me, yes. Sintaiki, yes. And they're probably sitting on different ends of the room. <laughs> and then Paul says what? Be of the same Mind and it's continually be of the same mind. They have some kind of quarrel. They have some kind of issue. In other words, they can't get along. And here's the thing about this this morning. Real theology is worked out. Listen, real theology is worked out in our relationships. Do you know what I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm talking about? You can know all the theology in the world. You can know your Bible from beginning to end. You can know all the doctrines and everything else and your relationships with others be terrible and be awful. Why? Because we're not taking what we know and putting it into practice in our lives. And so a few observations. Number one, did Paul take sides? Paul did not take sides. He didn't even try to solve the, whatever the issue or issues are, he doesn't even try to deal with the issues, does he? Does he? He just tells them straight up to do what? To be of the same mind in the Lord as a lifestyle or continually. We have no clue what the issue was, but we do know the solution, don't we? To be of the same mind. Did you know Jesus is praying for us, by the way, brother or sister? Do you guys know that? It tells us in Hebrews that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you and I. That means he's continually praying for you and for me. Do you know that all week long he's been praying for you and for me? What's he been praying about? I know for me, lots. I'm, I'm pretty jacked up, dude. I know he's been, thank you, Lord, for praying for me. But I know one thing for sure that he's praying for all of us. Because we find his prayer in John 17. And I think it's four times he prayed, listen, our Lord prayed that you and I would be one as he and the Father are one. How close are the Father and Son? They're pretty tight, aren't they? Inseparable. He prayed that for you and me, brother or sister. He's praying that for us as well. In fact, he said, by this all will know that the, that the Father has sent me. It preaches the gospel to a lot. Our unity. Have you ever read that in an like evangelism book? Here's how to evangelize. Be one. You don't see that, do you? You guys ever see that? No. Our unity is a testimony to the lost world. It's almost as if, as if Jesus is saying, my credibility hangs on my followers being unified together. That's heavy, isn't it? So that's what he's praying for us. And so... Paul gives the instruction to the gals, but then look what he says in verse 3. He says, and I urge you also, I'm asking you, my desire, what I'm praying for and what I'm requesting of you, true companion. Who's true companion? Who's the true companion? Who is that? You guys know who that is? This is not a trick question. It's some unnamed congregant. It's some brother or sister if you have a King Jimmy, anybody have a King Jimmy Bible? It says like true yoke fellow, I think. That means you've taken Jesus' yoke. Right? Does that mean you've taken his egg? Here's your, here. What's a yoke? It's that, that bar, right? That big harness, right? The two animals get harnessed in to plow a field together. They need to be equally yoked. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, right? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. It's Jesus who gives us rest. And so, have you taken Jesus' yoke? Have you guys taken Jesus' yoke? You have. You've given him your heart. You've said, I want, to, I want to connect with you and go forward with you. Yes? You can put your own name in there. I urge you also. Jim Bob, Sally Sue, whoever. To do what? What's the instruction for the church? What does it say? What does it, what's the instruction for the church say? 
Listen, tune in. This is instruction for us this morning. We are to do what? To help. And that word help means to grab hold of, to bring to yourself, and to care for. Isn't that interesting? It's the same word we saw last week when Paul says, I have not laid hold of that which Jesus Christ has laid hold of me for. I have not grabbed hold of all that Jesus grabbed hold of me. He's saying, you grab a hold of these gals and you bring them together and you care for them. You aid them, you assist them because something is being lost. It's crucial for them to be united. And so if you're not part of the solution, what are you part of? You're part of the problem. Not pick a side, not church, pick a side, but be a solution. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Thank you. Not blessed are those who win the fight. Blessed are those who are on the right side of the brawl. Blessed are the peacemakers. Do you want to be happy? Anybody here want to be happy this morning? Yes. No, Mike, I just want to be bummed, life full of drama. Blessed means, oh, how happy is the man or woman? Be, want to be happy? Be someone that brings peace. Blessed are the merciful, that brings mercy into the situation. He's saying, you guys come alongside, grab a hold of these girls, right? They're on other sides of the room. We don't know what the issue is. Bring them together and help them. Give them biblical counsel. Share the truth and love with them. They need help. They need help in this situation. And by the way, there's always two sides, isn't there, yes. to an issue? Isn't there always two sides? Yes. Or no? Yes. That's why it's so bad when you receive counsel from just one, or not counsel, when you receive someone complaining about someone else, especially if it's in marriage. Oh, yeah, tell me some more. <laughs> the other person's not even there. I mean, we're, we're, get, we're lending our ear then to what? To gossip, Right? And we're partaking in that person's sin now rather than when there's no fire, when there's no wood, the fire goes out. We say, no, time out. I can't listen to this. I need to hear both sides. And by the way, I don't want to, I'm not picking sides. I'm not, I just want to share with you, here's what the word of God says. Be of the same mind. Oh, look what it says here. Oh, by the way, who knows the whole story? Who knows all the details? The Lord does. He's the only one who knows the exact truth. God says, your sins and your lawless deeds, I will remember no more. And one of the issues is, they moved away from the gospel. Did you guys see that? Paul said, they once labored with me in the gospel. They've moved away from keeping the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is the gospel. Is not only sharing it, but it's living the gospel. You know what I'm talking about? I need to preach the gospel to myself every day. To be reminded that I'm forgiven, that I need to extend forgiveness to others as well. Do we deserve it? Do we earn it? Does that person who you have, an, have a beef with, has God called you to forgive them? Just as we've been forgiven? Has the Lord been merciful to you? Are we to be merciful? Yes. Yeah. That's part of the gospel, isn't it? Yeah. I need to be reminded every day of what the Lord has done and what he's still doing. He's still continually cleansing our sins as we're in fellowship with him. John chapter, 1 John 1. There's that continual forgiveness, that continual work of his spirit. And God wants us to walk in that example, to be a forgiver, to be one that gives grace. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation, haven't we? 2 Corinthians 5, if you're taking notes, you can check it out later. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. God's heart is, do you know God's heart is always reconciliation? Do you guys know that? It is. And it's interesting when you go back and look at that passage, because God wants people that don't know him to be reconciled to him, correct? Does God want people that don't know him to be reconciled to him? Because before you surrender, you're at war with God. You're in need of being reconciled. But here's the deal. Paul says, he's writing to the church about the ministry of reconciliation, and he calls the church, was the church of Corinth jacked up? It was messed up. And he said, y'all, Paul was Southern, y'all need... 
to be reconciled to God. Well, wait a minute, they're believers already. But here's the deal. When I have an issue on the, on the horizontally, guess where their issue really is? It's vertically. I need to be reconciled to God because I'm holding a grudge. I've got unforgiveness. I'm not being a peacemaker. I'm not giving mercy. I got a problem this way with the Lord. He says, be reconciled to God. And then you know what happens? You begin to say, you know what? It's cool. That was, he looked at me funny. She looked at me funny. They're sitting in my seat. I can overlook that <laughs> or whatever it is. And we move forward. I mean, have you guys done the Lord wrong? We have, haven't we? This week? Have you done everything correctly for Jesus? We haven't, have we? No. We are in need of that forgiveness, of that mercy. And so he says to them, help. Help these women who labored with me. We were once laboring together in the gospel. They were faithfully serving the Lord with Paul. And now this on this unfortunate dispute needed to be cleared up. And Paul calls upon the church with, notice this other dude, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, the rest of the, the co-laborers that had labored together, those that are serving the Lord. He's calling the church to be a part of the reconciliation process. And notice what he says at the end of the verse, whose names, I think this is beautiful, whose names are in the book of life, in that special heavenly registry. Do you know, brother or sister, your name is written in the book of life this morning? Is that good news? Your name's written in heaven. Jesus said to his disciples, that's something to rejoice over. Don't rejoice that you're casting out demons and doing all this cool stuff. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so Paul here, listen, when there are two people that can't get along, or there's groups of people that can't get along, it's everybody's business. He's calling the church here. To be involved in the reconciliation process. What do you mean by that, Mike? Well, sometimes when there's a little rift, when there's a little tension, shall I say, a little conflict between two people, you know what happens? We avoid them both. You come into church, and I don't, I'm not going near that, that person. Oh, no, if I go near this person, if I go near this other person, I'm going to hear the gossip. I'm going to hear all the nonsense. Or there's a group of people that are forcing you to pick a side. You know what I'm talking about, you guys? Not at this church. I hear about churches that it happens. <laughs> Paul didn't say pick a winner. No, you don't address it by picking a winner or who's what, right or who's wrong. It's not a court case. But also, don't just tuck your head in the sand and ignore it. You have a responsibility to address this. Help them to be of the same mind. So I don't normally put together like seven points or three points. You guys know that, right? Some of you are like, what, kind of, what point are you on, Pastor? I don't even know what the point was. I actually have seven points this morning. You do? I think. So, someone... <laughs> First of all, it's like, you missed, are you sure you counted right? Here's point number one. Love needs to be at the center of it all. Listen, this morning, love has to be at the core of everything we are and everything we do. Did you notice verse one, what Paul said to them? He called them what? My beloved. I love you. I love you. I love you. And then in verse two, what did he do? He's sharing the truth in love. Are we called to share the truth in love with one another? This is the truth in love. He says, be of the same mind continually. You need to be of the same mind. Most correction, listen, most correction fails or falls on deaf ears. Why? Because it's not given in an environment of love. You know what I'm talking, parents, you know what I'm talking about? Juniors acting up, and sometimes we don't correct in love, do we? Just me? You guys, you guys look at me funny. Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I, listen, I had to learn the hard way with my girls. Like, girl, it doesn't work very well with girls, suck it up, buttercup, <laughs> toughen up. And not only that, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so our correction in anything but love, if it's anger or whatever, 
guess what? It's, it's hardening their hearts. And so Paul's sharing this. He's like, I love you. Be of the same mind. I'm imploring you. I'm coming alongside you. It's like I'm wrapping my arms around both of you. Saying, come on, we need to get along. If there's no love, it's all worthless. Do you know that this morning? First yeah. Corinthians 13, whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever we're engaged in it, the motivation of our hearts is not love. It's going to profit nothing in the end. And the final estimation, when we stand before the Lord, it's going to burn up in a pinch of ash. Love has to be central. The God, love is central to the gospel, is it not? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And at some point, they were together. They were all about the gospel. They were labor. It was a labor of love for the gospel. And so can I just remind us this morning that love is not easily offended? Love is not easily offended. And so discord, division happens when the gospel is no longer our single focus. We forget grace. We forget forgiveness. We forget the mercy. Remember what Jesus said as he hung on the cross? Father, what? Forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. How many times do you have someone say something or do something that hurts you, and it's like, man, and then now we hold a grudge or we're bitter? It's like they didn't even know it probably. Are you with me? And it's like then it, then it starts to just brew and stew in our hearts, and underneath we're just brewing and stewing, right? It bubbling right below the surface instead of saying, Lord, help me to, Father, forgive them. Yes. That was dumb what they said. Do you ever say dumb things? Yes. We say stupid stuff, don't we? Yes. Even without realizing it sometimes. But we all need his grace and his mercy. Number two, point number two, you ready for this one? It's a long one. We're not told what the source or the issue of the problem is, but we know what God says. That's kind of long, isn't it? What does God say? What is, what is the source of all this? Proverbs 13.10, by pride comes nothing but strife. By pride, look at that. It's up on the flip on the board for a minute here. That's pretty cool. Good timing. By pride comes nothing but strife, or depending upon your translation, by pride comes nothing but contention. James chapter 4, verse 1, where do wars and fights come from among you? Where do they come from? Selfishness. It's pride and selfishness. What it all boils down to, that little argument, every single division, rift, power play, fight, argument, it comes back to those two verses. There's pride and selfishness at the heart of it all. And Paul said, remember what Paul said to the Corinthians? He said, listen, I wanted to give you solid milk. He said, I fed you, I want to give you meat. I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it And even now, you're still not able. Why, Paul? What was the deal with them? For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? He said earlier in the the, the verse before those, carnal is to be a babe in Christ. I couldn't speak to you as a maturing believer. You're still in diapers because you're fighting. You're still a toddler. And don't toddlers do that a lot? Don't they fight? What's like their first, our kids' first words? Thank you, mine. <laughs> and what do they do? They insist on their own opinion, right? It's my, I, <laughs> I want my way. And then if you have multiple kids, what happens? Right? Don't they have little... And the little fights are just like, really? You're, fi- you're, you're fighting over this? Can't you just... Get along. Thank you. Can't you just be of the same mind? What are you fighting about? What are you bickering over? And it's like, as parents, we recognize the things they fight over are totally dumb. They're inconsequential. Right? He t- Someone shared with me this morning. He touched my monster truck. <laughs> She got more than me, right? When, you're, when, you're, when some of your parents are laughing, you know what I'm talking about. When you're doling out the, right, whatever you feed your kids. Goldfish, like, here's the feed. <laughs> whatever. 
I, do you think the Father looks on us the same way when we bicker? Like, like he's, really? Can you just get along? Or, or we say to our, how about parents? What do we say to our kids? We're a family. <laughs> That's your sister. That's your brother. Come on. You should get along because you are family. But they don't get it, do they? We get it. But they don't get it. And the, the, Paul's saying, come on, you're, we're family. Get along. Be of the same mind. Point number three, Paul's instruction to the gals is what? Is to be of the same mind. What mind is he talking about? The mind of Christ. Where do we find the mind of Christ? If we're to be of the same mind as Christians, where do we find it? In the Word. Thank you. That's good. Now, if you flip back a couple of chapters, we're told... You guys flipping back yet or no? Chapter 2, verse 5. How many points did you say you had this morning? 18, Pastor? <laughs> no, we're, get, we're almost halfway, okay? Getting there. This is super crucial. Let this mind be in you which is continually, let this mind continually be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And there's four points he's going to share with us. Who, speaking of Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Here's number one. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, number two, coming as a servant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man... He humbled himself, number three, and number four, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Did you guys catch that? That's the mind of Christ, to make yourself of no reputation. And what do we so, we so protect, preserve, what we so care about is our reputation, don't we? Right? One word, likes. How many likes I got? How many hits I got? How many followers I... Correct? We care so much about our reputation, what people think of us. You know, you know who, what only truly matters is what Jesus thinks of you. The example Jesus gave us is he made himself of no reputation. And then number two was what? What was number two? He came as a servant. The Son of Man came to not be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. A servant lives to make other people's lives better. Listen, when we get in little fights and little arguments, what's the deal? We care about our reputation. Oh, what are people going to think about me? What are people going to say about me? What are, who cares? All that matters is what Jesus thinks. And then not only that, when we're serving, living to make other people's lives better, that stuff falls away. You know what? I'm just going to live to make that person's life better. And what do you do when your enemy's hungry? What do you do? You feed them when they're thirsty. You do what? Give them water. And by doing so, you heap hot coals. Oh, I get to burn them? Hot coals on their head. That sounds good. Oh, no, it brings conviction. When you're convicted, don't you feel like a little heat upstairs in your noggin? That's the deal. It brings conviction to the Holy Spirit. You're serving them. And then Jesus humbled himself. God, listen, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If pride is the issue, right? Isn't that the issue? By pride comes nothing but strife. If that's the issue, then I need to humble myself. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. You recognize I'm not all that. And what happens when we argue? You know, we think I'm better than this. I know more than this person. I know more than you. I should be serving this area, not you. I should, have, I should have the pulpit, not you, buckaroo, you weirdo from California, surfer dude, or whatever. Right? And that's a power... I mean, you see it in the church. And you, you know what I say to people like that, though, by the way? You can have the church after the rapture. <laughs> what? Some of you get that later. It's okay. Again, it's cool. It's your the church is after the rapture, the church is yours. <laughs> but then obedience. 
You see, we practice the things we know, the rest we pay lip service to. Oh, I got a rift and I'm not going to forgive, but I want the Lord to forgive me. Don't we pray that in the Our Father prayer? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, I want you to forgive me just like I forgive everybody else. But I'm holding on to this. I'm holding on. No, 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 no. I walk in obedience. And what the cool thing is, what he says later in Philippians 2, 13, it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Who gives us the strength to do this? God does. Who gives us the help to do this? God does. We're not left alone as orphans. He gives us what we need to walk in this. Are you with me? He gives us the mind. Now it's our job to adopt the mind and apply the mind of Christ and trust in the holy power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Amen? Point number four. What's Paul's instruction to the church? Is that point number four? Five somewhere. What's Paul's instruction to the church? Help. Be involved in the reconciliation process. Grab a hold of them. Help them work through this. The word also means, check this out, the word also means to conceive in the New Testament. Because what's being birthed out of their lives is not a work of the Spirit, it's a work of the flesh. And it needs to be a work of the Spirit in their lives. And so help them keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Conflict, listen, this morning, conflict gets us fighting over the minor things and we lose sight of the major things. And can I remind us this morning, our battle is not against flesh and blood. You got this beef with your brother or sister? Is that how you put up your dukes? Is that old times? <laughs> like, you ever seen the old English boxers? You know I'm talking about? It's, your fight is not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. Are you with me? you got an issue with someone, it's a spiritual battle. And we fight the spiritual battle with what kind of weapons? We, we duke it out, use our tongue? No. So with spiritual weapons, with prayer, the word of God, the whole armor, we put it on. Are you with me? Because what happens? What do we do? When I have an issue with someone and you're a, you're a believer that knows the word and you unsheath your sword and what do you start doing? Start chopping off ears. Touche, man. It's like, no. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, to, con- to destroy that sweet bond that Jesus has made possible because of what he did on the cross to connect us to, to God, but to connect us to one another as well. And the enemy will do anything he can to get in there and knock us apart in our marriages, in our home, and especially in the church as well. And you need to be aware of that. I need to be aware of that. Step back and say, whoa, 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 time out. My fight is not against flesh. Labored with me in the gospel. That word labored it, in the Greek, it speaks of wrestling in company with, together with. You get, anybody here ever wrestle? Oh, thank you. I wrestle with my kids too. You wrestle with your mom and dad, sister, somebody? No? Her? You wrestle with your sister? Good job, dude. Because I wrestle with my daughter, Alana, and usually she ends up crying to mom. <laughs> But I was sharing first service with Luke. You guys know Luke has uh, cerebral palsy, special needs. He's affected on his right side with cerebral palsy. And so growing up and still to this day, I pin him down on his good side and make him use his affected side. And now when he uses that right arm, it's like the Hulk <laughs> choking me out. And I'm like, dude, created a monster here wrestling. Where am I going here? <laughs> Oh, here's, here's the point. Wrestling is a team sport, but it's also an individual sport. And it takes, it takes work. It's intense. Wrestling takes all you got. And Paul's saying, remember what it was like, you two? You odious syntech. Remember when you labored together, when you fought side by side, when you wrestled together? Sharing the gospel, being about the gospel, and when you are work, this is so important, when you are working together and laboring together for the gospel, you know what it does? It brings you closer together. You fight battles as a team. VB, anybody here do VBS, help serve at VBS? When the, when the week's over, how are you feeling? Oh, hallelujah, it's over. But it was good, it's awesome. You're like, yeah, those kids did so great, and they learned so much. 
Same way going on a mission trip. If you've been on a mission trip with me, you know how awesome it is and how it connects your lives together in such an awesome way. Why? Because you're laboring in the gospel together and it brings your lives together. We got this harvest coming up. You get, you get plugged into that and watch what the Lord will do. He'll connect you with someone else, some other people in the body, and it's awesome. It's beautiful. These two gals are not unified, and Paul is reminding them, remember what it was like? Remember what it was like when you're serving the Lord together? How awesome. Paul calls them back to an awareness of what they did together. Do you remember your times in ministry, brother or sister? Maybe you've checked out. Maybe you're taking a breather. Maybe for whatever reason. Remember what it was like laboring for Jesus. When you're sharing the good news, you're reminded of the good news. And it is good news of what Jesus has done for us. I need to be reminded every single day. And by the way, Jesus spoke about our identifying trademark as his followers, as his servants. He said, by this, the whole world will know you're my disciples, by your, by your love for one another. That's our distinctive, by the way. Are you with me? Jesus didn't say, you'll know my disciples by their, by their buildings, by their clothes, by their suits, by their Hawaiian shirts, by, correct? By their eschatology, by their end times theology. You'll know, my, you'll know my disciples by that. No, you'll know my disciples by their love for one another. Listen, without, the love, without love, there's no Christianity. I said last week, without the cross, there's no Christianity. Without love, there's no Christianity either. It's crucial. Well, what about this deal about the book of life as we finish up this morning? See that at the end of verse 3? Paul reminds them their names are in the book of life. Paul reminds them of heaven. And you know what I've learned over the years? Whenever I get in a, it's been years since I had any arguments. Just kidding. <laughs> Father, forgive me for I have sinned. <laughs> but think it, but you know, the conclusion I come to is that, is this really going to matter in heaven? Is this really going to matter? It's going to be chaff. When you stand before the Lord, only what you do for Jesus is going to last. The little battles, the little fights, all of that, it's going to burn up in a pinch like that. Gone. All the, all the junk that we invested our lives in, just boom. But only the good stuff remains that we did motivated by love. And so our future is what unites us together. Paul reminds us of that. Paul reminds them. Your names are written in the book of life. That should cause us to rejoice, shouldn't it? Yes. Yeah, and that's what he says in the next verse. Rejoice. Is it an exclamation point? Does it say is it, rejoice? But he has to, I, I say it again. Why? Because people are going, okay, rejoice. I heard it again. Again, I say rejoice. rejoice. You know what happens when you're a joyful person? You're a less quarrelsome person. Those that continually rejoice, they, they're, not, they're not prone to, to be offensive or take offense. Dead men hold no, no record of wrongs. Dead men don't get offended. <laughs> it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm rejoicing because of who he is and what he's done. Thank you, Lord, that I'm in you. I can just say, Lord, thank you. I got my eyes on you. I'm rejoicing in you. And then he says, let your gentleness... Jesus said, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Let your gentleness be known to who? To everybody. What are we to be marked by? How good we fight and argue? No way. Our gentleness. Because it looks like Jesus when we're gentle. And that word is more than just tender. It means to care. It means to be nice. Isn't it, doesn't it stick out when people are nice to you out there in the world? <laughs> Do you know you stick out when you are just simply nice to people? When you let your gentleness, your, I don't know if it's a word, niceness, be made known to all? 
people recognize there's something different about you. You didn't get ticked off and send the food back and yell at the waitress. You said, oh, you know what? I'm going to suck it up. Thank you, Lord. Man, you did a great job serving us. I just got cut off in traffic. Hallelujah. Way to go. That was a great move, dude. (laughs) He may be going to the hospital. Let me pray for him right now. The Lord's been dealing with me, man. See, I'm, I'm growing. It's not yet quite there, but you know what I'm saying? You guys know what I'm saying? Let your gentleness be known to all. Why? Listen, the Lord's at hand. And he will right every wrong. It's all going to come out. He's in control. He'll settle all the stuff. And all that's going to matter is what we do for Jesus. That's it. And so may we continue to love one another as he's called us to. Real, really simple. Make it real simple this morning. Let's love as the Lord has called us to. And Jesus authorizes, it's interesting as we finish, he said, by this, all will know that you're my disciples. Jesus authorizes the world to take a look at our fruit and determine whether we're legit or not. You you, you know what I'm saying? By this, all, who's all? All will know that you are my committed followers if you love one another. It all comes down to love. Amen. And the Lord will help us to do that. And in the end, it'll be worth it. Amen. In Jesus name. Lord, thank you so much for this passage. Lord, so good, so needed, necessary this morning. I pray God for my brothers and sisters that um, all of us would take away the things that have come from your heart. Lord, the things that you've ministered to me during the week, God. I pray you would help us We're in need of more of you. As John the Baptist said that we would be increasing, we would be decreasing, you would be increasing in our lives. And so have your way this morning. Help us to be the same mind. 